Hey there, welcome friend. This is Brian Del Turco. You're listening to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 83. And one of the great benefits of listening to a good, solid podcast is just the fruitful ideas that you get exposed to, the conversation that you may hear. And you're really going to have that today with our guest today, Brian Soy, spelled S-O-O-Y, Brian Soy. He's the president and director of Aspire, Aspire Aspire.com. It's a branding and marketing agency focusing on causes and companies that are mission-minded. And I'm calling this conversation a kaleidoscopic conversation. You know, the kaleidoscope, that tube that you look into and then you rotate it and you see various colors and shapes and patterns that come into alignment. There's actually a phrase called a kaleidoscopic mind. And in the Greek, it means an observer of beautiful forms. It's a mind that consists of being able to observe and connect various parts and colors and patterns or shapes. And I'm going to posit to you that the mind of Christ, that that's one of the characteristics of the mind of Christ as we enter into kingdom conversations with people and kingdom takeaways that we can then take into prayer, journal about some ideas and thoughts, move forward on some action steps. And I think this conversation today with Brian Soy is definitely kaleidoscopic. Okay. Um, He's a certified story brand guide with Donald Miller. Some of you will know what that is and has over 30 years of experience in marketing design, custom font design. You'll learn that he's the font designer for the New Living Translation as well as another Bible translation. So we're going to talk today about a a number of issues, kaleidoscopic in nature. Okay. And we're going to geek out on Bible translations and typography and Bibles. But The real theme that we're pursuing is that there's a grand narrative and that we are the workmanship of God in Christ, Ephesians 2.10. And the story and the narrative of our life fits in with a grand narrative. We need to pursue ideas of thinking identically, thinking like Eden, cultivating and releasing latent potential in that work, in that sphere, those projects, those interests and passion pursuits that you have. Satan comes along, of course, and he tries to corrupt the narrative. He tries to corrupt the grand narrative and our personal narrative. And we have to be very careful about the stories that we take in and the stories especially that we start telling ourselves. And we even talk about this idea that we are much more. Jesus has done much more for us than just saved us as a wretch so that we can go to heaven, you know, a wretch saved by grace to go to heaven. Yes, We're going to heaven, although we will talk about that it's all coming back here. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. The heavenly city is coming down. So uh, we have to think about our ideas about heaven a little bit and what our eternal state is going to be. But we're much more than a wretch saved by grace to go to heaven. We are the redeemed now to live a life of purpose and creativity and dominion. Plus, you're going to learn why on a recent trip to Israel, Brian Soy got a tattoo on his arm in Latin which means launch into the deep. You're going to like what we talk about there out of Psalm 107. Well, let me slide out of the way. Let's get right to the conversation with Brian Soy. Enjoy. Welcome, Jesus Smart listeners. I'm excited uh, sitting across a table from a new friend, and you're really going to enjoy his competence and what we're talking about today. His name is Brian Soy. Great name, Brian. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Brian is the, and it's with a I, not a Y. So 
Oh, okay. Yeah, mine is with an I as well. Exactly. And are you Irish? No, I am Dutch. Dutch. Okay. Well, I'm Italian and Romanian, but we have the um, Irish name Brian. I think it means strong, strong one. Does it? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good name. Brian is a graduate of Bowling Green State University. He's president and a design director with over 30 years of experience in marketing, design, custom font, and type design and interactive media. And his business is called Aspire, uh, unique spelling, A-E-S-P-I-R-E.com. And he's also the founding partner of My Lasting Legacy, a platform that equips foundations and charitable organizations to engage the community through donor stories so their donations and asset base grow. Uh, Brian, thanks for taking out time, carving out time today to talk about what I think are are going to be some great great themes. Also, entreworship.com, E-N-T-R-E worship.com. What is that site all about, Brian? So entreworship is is a site for entrepreneurs and business leaders who are looking for biblical wisdom and some practical practical perspective on how to align their work and faith and make their work become worship. Do you think that our worship, our understanding of worship is too narrow? Well, it definitely is because we think of worship as that 20 minutes between the beginning of the service and the sermon. And really worship, according to Romans 12, 2 and 1, is our full bodies being committed. So that's mind, body, soul to giving honor and glory to God. So worship is um, a much broader term. Do we worship in our marriage and our relationships and our work? Works at our bodies, as you say. We do. It's all an act of worship. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, when you think of it that way, it's it's got to be more than Sunday morning because if, if otherwise, you know, what are the other how many hours in a week? You know. Yeah. Really. Yeah. We we narrow it down to that little window, and it doesn't become like an integrated approach to life, does it? It's, it's 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 really funny how just the meaning of words, how we use language, affects our thoughts, you know, and affects our approach to life. Entre worship. Com. I'm interested in a topic, Brian, have been for some time, have had some conversations on it, but I think you're going to be uniquely uh, able to bring a further contribution, other layers to it. And that is this idea of narrative, like a grand narrative from a Christian perspective, you know, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, a grand narrative, call it the God story, maybe. What is God up to? What is the big overarching story? And then, of course, our personal narrative, our personal life stories our sense of calling and destiny, how we fit into that. Just on grand narrative, what are what are your thoughts about that? You know, going back to Genesis and just... Yeah, well, think about it. You know, God had a plan and he created us. Mm-hmm. As we were talking a little earlier, Eve heard a story. So, you know, narrative is all about story. And there's, you know, God's, I call it his story. He's got a, he's got a beginning and he's got an end to, in a sense, time. Yeah. But eternity is is the biggest grand story and then there's this you know the grand narrative but in we're in we're in a story right now story started at creation and it's going to culminate with the restoration of all things okay that's you know it's like i don't know if we want to call that a chapter in the story but it's that's a story and it and it's 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 creation fall redemption yeah. restoration mm-hmm but if you look at the big narrative and you study what's going on throughout God's relationship with Israel and now the church, the body of Christ, and his restoration of Israel you know, in, in future, 
you see the same thing happening. You know, uh, sin, fall, redemption, restoration. And it's this cycle. It's like three or four parts in that. Okay. I'm wondering, can we even reach back beyond the Genesis account? Do we have any... You know, I think recently I felt impressed. My own understanding kind of taught me that, you know, Brian, at your best, you're looking through a dark glass dimly. So, you know, I mean, we're, we're all by faith, you know, desperate, if you will. We're looking into the word. We're relying upon the Holy Spirit for illumination. And our knowledge is in part, of course. But I think we need each other, don't we? We need others. We need to have dialogues, conversations, parts of, be, a, be a part of a community of faith uh, that helps us. But Even prior to the creation, you have the eternal Godhead in a community of relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for untold fathoms amounts of time, and yet they uh, decide to create a new creation in their image. That's part of the grand narrative as well, isn't it? Right, the creator God. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something I think we lose in in our church culture today, our society today, that there is a creator God, because... And and I you know I'm trying to think through why that is just you know beyond this you know conversation here but mm. you know we get so focused on tasks okay so think about you know uh, what's considered the great commission you know go make disciples yes okay and so ever you know if you get so focused on that it's easy to forget the creator part and you know and you and I are talking about this and entre worship is in this vein and some a lot of the themes. Uh, on Jesus Smarter in this vein of, you know, we're called to create. And whether that is art or that's uh, business or that's just to call into being something mm. that was not there before. Okay, call into being. I like that. Um, you know, and God called into being from nothing. Yeah. We call into being from what exists. Okay. And that's the distinction. Yeah. Uh, but we're, if we're made in his image, at first we're, we're created beings. So we're creative ourselves. That, that's part of what it means to be in the image of God. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's, it's part of it, and it's part of what makes us unique. So dogs can... Are dogs creative? Are parakeets creative? Are rhinoceros creative? <laughs> you know, do they have that same spark of creativity of... And what is it about that? You know, if we read Schaefer, he's talking about what's... You know, part of that is the mannishness of man. The mannishness of man. What did he mean? Well, he just meant you know, the uniqueness of being created in God's image. We're certainly a higher order than the animals in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wow, what a privilege. Mm. And, what, and what a privilege to think about that, yeah. especially when we look then at Ephesians 2.10. Yeah. You're God's masterpiece. Right. Created in Jesus to do the good works he planned for long ago. Right. Or for you long ago. Yeah. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece. I think it's a Greek word poemo. Am I correct there? Which means like I think we get our word poem from it, right? And it, and it means a work of art or like an artisan. So, I think in the preceding verses, I was just recently looking at this in my own prayer time. That says, uh, you know, we're saved by grace through faith, not of our own works, lest we should boast. It says, but we are His workmanship. The workmanship emphasis emphasis is upon Him working on us. But yet we're prepared for these good works. And that's where our personal story comes in, I think, right? Right. We're prepared for good works that he's prepared for us to walk in. Yeah. Right. Well, so God is writing a, a poem. Yeah. And you are both the paper and you're the words. You're the story. So you, so God's writing the story of your life. Mm. 
And but yet you're part of that story. You're, you you have the ability to to influence that story. And I think at the end of you know at the end of life, you want to look back and say, all right, my life was a story worth telling. God God wrote a story worth mm. telling for my children, my grandchildren, for other people to say, he you know he modeled Christ. So listen to his story, yeah, because he's he was always pointing people back to Jesus, yeah. And you know if if it's you know he or she, whoever it is, saying you know that's my story. I always want to be pointing people to Jesus, yeah, uh, to the truth, to the purpose. Our purpose in life is to serve yeah. God and glorify God. Yeah. I mean, I think of the Garden of Eden and um, the placement of Adam and Eve in that garden. Let's go ahead and use Schaefer's word, the mannishness of man, you know, that including that creative capacity. Adam was to cultivate, right? He was to cultivate. Cultivate the garden. And which I'm, I've been using the phrase like draw out the latent potential of creation. Um, it's more than just horticulture, isn't it? I mean, the, the principle there, we are, whatever, whatever sphere we're called into, we are to cultivate it, develop it, right? Draw out its latent potential. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, you know, especially with regard to potential. So if we're, if we're, you know, part of our, our responsibility is to call out that latent potential. We also have to be aware of what's preventing people from reaching that potential. So let's think about it in terms of the business. And, okay. Uh, and, you know, so I have staff here. I have to understand how my staff are wired, you know, what, what motivates them, what demotivates them, and focus on what motivates mm-hmm. them and, yeah. and, and then where they may feel insecurities or weaknesses okay. and speak to those to help. You know, if they're not confident, you know, speak confidence. If they're insecure, speak yeah. security. Mm. Um, who is it? Uh, John Maxwell speaks about this in um, one of his books, and I actually have it over here on my wall. I can't remember the title. It's it's got the word matters in the name, but it's by John Maxwell, and okay. he talks about you know a, as a business owner, if you're going to draw these best things out of your staff, you need to be aware of you know, where their weaknesses are, and then speak the opposite, speak the strength into them, and help them develop those strengths. Mm. So it's developing that potential, but also we're responsible, you know, whether it's at church, whether it's in our business, whether it's at our home. Um, so are you saying, I heard recently someone say, uh, speak to what is to be, don't speak like just circumstantially, the present state of affairs, let's say like parenting mm-hmm. to, to a child or, or to an employee or to a staff member, a team member, speak it forward, I think they were saying, speak it into the future, what you see, draw out that potential. So it's the idea of mindset. Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know, I see that you could achieve this potential. It's, right. It's not why are you failing here. It's you have potential in you. You've not achieved it yet. Mm. So let's look at what you're struggling with now, and how can I help you get there? I mean, if we're I mean, and I don't speak about me. I'm speaking in the general. Yeah. Is it, you know if we're if we're to, if we're encouraging one another and we are being you know, equipping one another as, as we're called to as saints in the body of Christ, then, you know, we're, we are to be looking out for each other and, and, and coming alongside and helping. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps us. That's a great model. Yeah. So we come alongside and help each other. Yeah. And whether it's, so, you know, so I do this when I lead worship, I just, I model what I want other people also to model. So whether it's calling out where we're going in a verse, and then when I see them doing that, I say, you know, I noticed that you did this, 
by saying we're headed to this next part of the verse, well done. Um, or when someone accomplishes something. And you know, we don't want to always base, base it on accomplishments. You know, okay. If we're going to be observant leaders, yeah. Yeah. We, we need to see that, you know, I think, if, I think if you did it this way, or if you tried this, it could help you achieve this goal or yeah. achieve this success or, you know, be more courageous, whatever it is. Sure. But, you know, it's basically speaking truth to life. It's speaking positivity. Yeah. And it, not in that, that squishy positivity way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, well, it, it, it creates a field of vision, you know, an alternative future, a preferred future, whatever phrase we want to use to orientate that person toward, right? Right. So that they can experience it. And many times we can't see things in ourselves that others can see. So we need mentors. We need, you know, authority figures, if you will, parents, uh, bosses, you know, owners. Um, but even uh, in the body of Christ, we need each other. We need to really cluster with others to catalyze ourselves, I think. Very interesting. I, I it, This thing we call life, I mean, I we're just caught up in something so big it's fathomless. You know, I think Isaiah said, Paul repeated it. Eye has not seen, you know, ear has not heard. It has not entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared I'm encouraged by Paul when he repeats that in Corinthians. He says, but we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals these things to us. I think we can get on a continuum, if you will, of understanding, of like, you know, progressing in in understanding throughout our our walk here. Mm -hmm. There is a grand narrative, to be sure. And I, I think we see Satan, don't we, right in Genesis 3, coming in and beginning to distort and create noise. Right, right. And corrupt that narrative. He says, did God really say that? Yeah. And how often do how often we do we ask ourselves that question, and how often do we hear that question asked of us? Yeah. Um, or, you know, I guess those are the two scenarios for that. Um, and is that actually you know that in that case he, he was actually speaking through the serpent? Yeah. Um, and then and then re- you remember what Eve also said? Oh yes, God said I shouldn't eat from it, nor can I touch it. Mm-hmm. But if you go back a few verses, mm-hmm. all God said was, do not eat from the tree yeah. of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. But if Adam and Eve were charged to tend the garden and cultivate it, that was one of the trees, so that was going to need pruning. It was going to need taken care of. Mm. So so you're saying she's already adding to, beginning to... Right. So she's she's... Yeah, what is that? She's adding to God's word. She's changing what he said. She's yeah. interpreting it her own way. And and then you notice too Adam's complete abdication of any any um, <laughs> well, anything. <laughs> a, a lot of projection there on Adam's part, right? Right. Eve, he, the serpent, you know, he, whatever. He didn't step up and say, "No, this didn't happen." And we're not. I'm not trying to. You know, we're not trying to pin blame. It's just that this was the circumstance. He didn't step up and accept his responsibility to, as the one responsible for Eve. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think theologians call him like the federal head of the human race, you know. Mm. He didn't take ownership, did he? Yeah. So, you know, so when that kind of happens, we start to tell ourselves a story that's not true. So remember, you know, uh, you know this is all a story. So we're, it's, it's a big story. God laid it out in Scripture. Yeah. And we tell it to ourselves over and over again. It, you know, we hear it at church. We hear it through external sources. And, and then we internalize it. Don't we start to add our own noise to it, don't we? Oh, my. Oh, man. And there's noise from so many layers in our lives. We even have noise at church. You know, we have noise in our own head. We have noise in our family culture, right? We have media noise. We have, I, you know, I think when you said, you know, this, this message, you know, did God say, 
it doesn't always come to us. In fact, maybe usually it doesn't come to us so obviously, did God say that? It's more like implicit or covert, you know? Mm-hmm. We watch media or, 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 or we, you know, somebody's having a conversation. We have to be very careful of the messaging, you know, the messaging that's coming toward us. No, that's absolutely... It's not always so discernible, is it? Behind it is, did God say... Propaganda, really, from the enemy. He's, um, uh, you know, there's something in Bible interpretation called the principle of first mention. Like the first time we see someone or something or something happening, it gives us a really good precedent or point of reference throughout the rest of Scripture. The first time we see Satan, he's a chief propagandist. He's questioning God's integrity, right? Mm-hmm. God's story. A little bit later on, well, even before that, they're naked and they're on the run <laughs> in the garden. Yeah. And um, apparently it's Christ, the Christophany, the Lord comes down in the cool of the day and he's asking, Adam, where are you? Right? And I think Jesus said in the Gospels, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. But I'm wondering, Brian, have we interpreted that to mean he's come to seek and save us just to get us to heaven? But is there, could there be a broader meaning even going back to, to the garden that he's come to seek and save us from the place of dominion that we've fallen from, even the place of creativity, assignment, personal story under his story. And we've, and we've reduced it, I think, to a prayer. If you die tonight, where would you be? Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, the rest of your life, what is the story? comes back to redeem yeah always because what he's lost is so valuable to him yeah he wants to re- he wants to bring it back to himself you know, reconcile it to himself so that whether that's reconciliation through relationship or just finding the things that he considered lost so um seek and save which is lost comes back to restore the lost sheep right of the house of israel um has he come to save us just for heaven but but no not just for heaven because Again, I go back to Schaefer, so I'm I'm very heavily influenced by Francis Schaefer. Okay, if, if you haven't read, I mean, I'm sure you've read Francis Schaefer. But I've read some, yes. If your listeners haven't read Francis Schaefer, he he foretold where we are now. He going, really did going on fifty, sixty years ago. And oh, what was he? Help them to locate Francis so, Schaefer. He was a, a philosopher. He, he was a theologian. Seventies, eighties, right? Sixties to seventies. Okay. Uh, he founded a group in Switzerland called Libri, right. which is still functioning where people would go and, and, and just learn about culture and Christianity and how they yeah. work together. Mm-hmm. And, and what he always posited was that, that theology actually, the way theologians respond trickles down from philosophy and the philosophers. Really? And then from the theologians to the people. Yeah. So, the influ- so up, upstream from the people are the theologians. theologians and he's saying upstream from that is philo- philosophy philosophy okay all right which is which is fascinating just to study that on itself and he he said Christ did not come just to redeem the soul he came to save the whole the entire man so and by man meaning who we are so not just save our souls for heaven save our body save our minds redeem our minds so that we can then redeem culture yeah, he talked a lot about culture. Sure, too. sure. And if we're going to be salt and light at the very basis of what Christ said, then well, if and if he only saved us for heaven, then why doesn't he just take us out of the world as soon as we're yeah. saved? Yeah. As, as soon as we, you know, 
Yeah. And I like to say, as soon as Christ invites us into his life and we accept. Yeah. And that, and that whole thing's a different dynamic. Because his ultimate aim is the restoration of all things, right? Correct. That's the phrase he used in the Gospels, the restoration of all things. I think in Revelation, he says, behold, I make all things new. There is going to be a new heavens and a new earth, right? And he talks about us transforming us by changing the way we think, or in the New American Standard, by the renewing of our minds. Yeah. So transforming you into a new person by changing the way you think, and that's the New Living Translation. Yeah. But there, you know, God's doing this activity in your life. He's transforming you into a new person by doing what? Changing the way you think. Sure. Which yeah. is what repentance means. Right. That's what the word means, right? Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Right. And do a, do a 180 on the direction. And the implication is change your life. It flows out of the way you think, right? So, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, that, and even that, you know, when you think about the direction your life can take, the, the path your story can follow, you know, the, the sin path leads you backwards. And if you, then if you repent, God, when God says, look, seek my will and I'll show you the path to take. Okay. That's the opposite direction. Think of it as forward. Yeah. And it orientates you to the, toward the new heavens and the new earth. Right. Even now in this life where our, our basic orientation is, is pointed in that direction. Right. We're like, we're like people of the future, if you will. Hebrews 6, 5 says we are to taste the powers of the age, which is to come. Right. I don't know what all that can mean, but I just think that we start sampling now. Somehow we're tasting the future now. We are, because we've been given this new identity in Christ. It is so awesome. I mean, it's so, it's beyond our, I mean, we really need to probably do, each individual needs to reconceive what it means to follow Jesus, I think. Sure. I can't help but say that, you know. Sure. Well, I know no, I, I do. I, I think, well, yeah, and we all do, but the, the beautiful thing is, we get to do it new every day. Every day. You, when you can advance. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm sure you do this. I do it. I, I define myself by my performance. Okay. Um, and maybe you don't do it. Maybe I'm just dysfunctional that way. Well, no. I mean, it's good to measure ourselves, test ourselves to see if we're in the faith, as Paul said. But if we do it based on performance, we're always going to be failing. So we're always going to be telling us a story, telling ourselves a story that we're not good enough. Our narrative is just never, as we say, speaking to that future, that positive future, the aspirational future. Okay. And, and you know, God says, look, I've adopted you into my family. I've set you anew. I've given you the Holy Spirit as a seal of my guarantee that yeah. I've, prom- I've, I've promised you all these things and I've delivered all these things in the spiritual realm yeah. for you. Okay. Sure. This is who you are now. You know, you're... I mean, mm. he calls us saints, mm-hmm. but in our minds, we're going back to amazing grace. You mm. know, I'm a wretch. Mm. I'm a wretch. Yeah. And when we continue to think like that, and when we continue to pursue that path of thinking, we remain in that line of thinking. Okay. But if we say, we're, look, I, 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 I may have failed, but I've been redeemed. Your mercies are new today. You were um, abounding in grace. You have un- filled with unfailing love and you give all that to me then you've got hope for the future. The challenge with you in a conversation is we're very kind of, it's like a very mosaic conversation. It's like a kaleidoscope. We could get very... Sorry, where do we want to go now? No, 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 no. I'm not saying to you. It's just a very pregnant conversation. So I think that uh, it's it's wonderful. Uh, Multi-layered. So yes, I think that, you know, when he came into the garden, Adam, where are you? I I think implicit in that question, we need to ask ourselves, what is that question about? Adam, you, you know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory, Romans says, right? Thus, we've fallen from our place of dominion. 
I think that Jesus is reorientating us and putting us back on a, in a trajectory and asking us to reclaim our capacity beginning now as imperfect as it may be to exercise dominion. It's partial. It's not in fullness that's reserved for his coming, but we should be on some kind of a continuum. It seems, you know, Mm -hmm. where we're able to do our part in cultivating the garden, whatever sphere we're called to even being a husband, Brian, um, doesn't it mean like husband, men, one who cultivates a garden, how can you release the latent potential of your wife? How can you serve her crowning jewel of creation, as maybe John and Stacy Eldridge would say, but how can you release her into her? Even that is cultivation. It is. Isn't it? Parenting is cultivation, surely. Grandparenting. It is. Uh, a, a phrase I often think of is that love always acts in the best interest of the beloved. Yeah, it's a great definition of love. And if we... You know, as husbands, if we we are true to thinking of her first and and less of yeah. ourselves, then it's you know it's then saying, I want the same thing for her as I want for myself. Yeah, and and you know, praying. I mean, even from the the start of the day, how do you pray for your wife? Um, and you know, and you mentioned the Paul's prayer in Ephesians, and I just started this three weeks ago praying through Paul's prayers and writing them out in my journal as I would be praying them Excellent. for, for first my wife wow. and, and then for our small. So what's an example like Ephesians 1, 17 and following? For oh example? yeah. And let me just pull that up yeah. real quick. So there's like key apostolic prayers of Paul in his letters, whatever, four five, six of them. Uh, yeah. I think and, there's like nine or 10. Oh really? Nine um, or 10. Okay. Yeah. And I started a series on my blog, praying with the apostle Paul, which I need to conclude or get back to, yeah. you know, and where I'm, where I'm trying to target these prayers in his letters. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go listen to those then. I, I, I mean, this is a written text, you know, sure. blog, blog post. but what's so awesome about that, Brian, is that prayers are eternal. Mm-hmm. Prayers are like set before the throne as incense. They never die. And so there's a sense in which I'm entering into an eternal prayer meeting with the Apostle Paul mm. when I pray with him. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm thinking of it. And I'm joining maybe millions of believers since the writing of the New Testament who have done the same. Sure. You know, and I'm streaming my prayers with that. I, I just find that an awesome thought. But but go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Well, just so th- let's just look at, you know, Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. Yeah. And, you know, it starts out, ever since I first heard of you, you're a strong faith in the Lord Jesus. So if, if, I, if I'm praying that for you, like, Lord, ever since I heard of Brian's strong faith in the Lord Jesus and his love for your people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking you for him. Yeah. You know, I pray for Brian constantly, and I ask you, God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give Brian spiritual wisdom and insight so that Brian might grow in your knowledge of God. Yeah. So just... just changing up the words. But I find that if I write it out and I, I kind of bullet point it, sure, it just, it, one, it helps me memorize you, them. You'll, you'll memorize it. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and it's personally for me, it's at this point, it's, it's a little hard to memorize some of these things. Um, Cause you said my mind goes, you know, several directions at once it seems, but if I can have it diagrammed and it's, it's like a picture for me, I'm a visual learner. And then I was like, okay, I know that I'm going to pray this. I'm going to pray it for a week for my, my prayer circle. And just yeah. focus on that prayer and praying it through individually for each of these people that I have. In now, my... how long have you been praying this prayer for people, like targeting people in prayer with with this particular prayer? Three oh, like weeks, you say? Like about three weeks, four okay. weeks. Um, you know, so I, I've gone through the two in Ephesians, the one in Philippians. This week, um, just because of travel and stuff, I've kind of just gone back to you know 
thanking God, praising God, asking him just to bless these people. Okay. Um, yeah. And just keep, cause I was with somebody else and he just said, Lord, bless this person's business, this family, his marriage. I'm thinking, wow, we make prayer so complicated, but that spoke so much to me just that he's, that he asked God to bless me. So it's like, all right, this week's just going to be simple prayer. Okay. Cause yeah. Cause in all of this, God says, um, you know, again, through Paul, God wants to do infinitely more than you can ask or think. Yeah, um, according to the power that is operative. The power, right? Within. Yeah, and 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 then couple that with if we pray, if we pray tiny prayers, or we pray vague prayers. Does that work? Our belief set point is too low. It is. You know, it is. And I was reading in a devotional, "Streams in the Desert." Have you heard of this devotional? I have, yes. I, I've recently been getting into that it's an older devotional and they were they were talking about psalm 107 where where psalm 107 is all about crying out to god it creates these different scenarios and one of them is that they launched out into the deep seas you know they were out in the deeps where they saw the works of the lord in the deep and and i think a storm arose or there was a challenge and they cried out to god but she was bringing up the point or whoever she was quoting she i think she quotes various sources but about get out deep like when we stay in the shallows up against the rocks, we get beat up because we're just not deep enough. We're, we're not questing. We're not praying big enough. Right. We're not believing for things big enough. We haven't left the shore and we're, and we're like in the shallows. And when storms come and when, you know, it's, it's like we're just thrashed up on the rocks because our belief set point is too low. Does this make sense? No, it does. I'm, I'm, I'm being personally challenged by this. Like, okay, so there's certain things I pray for that are kind of like basic minimum things, but maybe I need to be believing and praying about bigger things way out there, seeking first his kingdom and actually believing for bigger things like Ephesians 3.20 seems to say. And maybe some of these lesser things I won't have to pray about so much. Maybe they'll just take care of themselves if I'm just out there. You know, does there, that kind of make sense? It does. I, I remember... She really challenged me. I don't know. Yeah. And Oswald, one of Oswald Chambers' reflections says, you know, you have these little decisions in your life and you're praying through them. And, and the, God's like, look, I already handled that because I've given you logic and I've given you, you know, okay. smarts. Yeah. So just make the decision. Yeah. You know, but when I mean, Maybe from God's perspective, he's infinite in power and creativity. Maybe his perspective is, is like, would you just get bigger? And not worry about that stuff so much. And right. I'll take care of it. This is what she seemed to be saying in this devotional. It really well, sure, it's rocked like, me. It's, you know, the phrase that um, I think of is, you know, let's, let's, let's see where God's working and join him there. So, Lord, show me where you're working. And then show me how my obedience can help you accomplish your will and advance your kingdom. Because, it, because don't you think sometimes when we pray, we, we, we pray... But the answer, you know, if there's going to be an answer to the prayer, it's going to be within our own capabilities or our own circumstances or our own resources. Instead of saying, God, do exceedingly abundantly more. Do infinitely more than I ask or think in this situation. Yeah. I'm not even, you know, here's the outcome I'm praying for. But God, if there's something greater than that. Right. You know, if there's a, you know, or if you say no, is there a bigger Yes. Yeah, very good. That I'm waiting for. Yeah, yeah. And and this whole idea of going deep, um, Luke 5, where it talks about Jesus going to Peter and saying, you know, can I borrow your boat? Right. So think about the, even that in our business. Yeah. Brian, can I borrow your, you know, 
your your publishing business. Give me a platform, he's saying. Exactly, the platform. Yeah. And then when he's done, he says, what was the next thing he said to Peter? A reward is on the way. It's like launch out into the deep and you'll get a great catch, right? Exactly. In Latin, he said, duke in altum. What is that? Oh. It means put out into the deep. Cool. Now, I'm looking at a tattoo. You've got it in Latin on your inside of your arm. Awesome. Right. How long have you had that tattoo? Because I've been thinking of one. I got this my last day in Jerusalem. So you, you, Just recently it's on your trip. seven weeks old. And it's Duke in Altum. D-U-C space I-N space A-L-T-U-M. And what does it mean again? And it means put out into the deep. Latin. It's Latin. So when Christ was done teaching, he told Peter, now put out into, your, into the deep and let down your nets. Wow. To me, there's so many layers of meaning in that. And, and Peter's response, of course, was, well, I've already fished all night and I didn't catch anything, but if you say so, I will do that. So one, go deep. And, and, and to me, this phrase is reminding me, cause, and that's, you know, that's why it's there, so I see it. Go, de- it. go deep into your relationship with Christ. Don't be afraid to go into the deep water where, where things are scary, where, I mean... The water's 12 feet deep. I'm always nervous of some fish coming up and rubbing against me, which is like some irrational fear. But go into the deep. The deep. And, and, and It says they do business on great waters in Psalm 107. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's like the, you're at another level. You're doing great. Now, what does business mean? Anything. I mean, it's not just like, you know, commerce. Whatever the business is, you're called to engage activity for God, whatever your calling is, right? Do business on great waters, not in the shallow waters. Right. And, and even in, in, even in the, the Sea of Galilee, there are different fish that live in the, the shallows than okay. there are that live in the cold waters. All right, deeper. Um, yeah. So, you know, just, so just being there and learning that, but just understanding there's more context in there. So go deep into your relationship. Go, go in a place that makes you uncomfortable Yes, out of the comfort zone. And trust me there. Trust, pray bigger, think bigger. Think bigger. Move bigger. And when you do it, just obey me. Even though you've tried it before, just obey me. And because I own this business, I've owned it for 24 years. I I don't even consider myself the owner. I think God's the owner. My wife and I are stewards. Okay. We just use that colloquial because it makes sense to people. Um, Yeah. But he's... He sometimes challenges me, just go out into the deep. Go to a place you're not comfortable and trust me for now the you've results. you've done that. I mean, let's just talk about a sidebar there. Like, you've been involved in the tra- translate Bible translation world. Like, God's Word for today, is it? Well, God's Word translation. God's Word translation. So, and, and just quickly, tell the listeners what your business did on that project. And, and, and who's the publisher? So, the publisher now is currently God's Word to the Nation Mission Society. Okay. It's an, out, it's a, it's an evangelistic organization based out of Florida. All right. They were responsible for the translation and uh, acquired reacquired the rights to it about three years ago. So they came back to us and said, we need help marketing this. We need help publishing this. Okay. And it's, it's a uh, natural equivalent translation. So closest natural equivalent, yeah. meaning it's, it's the closest English word to the related Hebrew, Aramaic, okay. Greek. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it, it's easy to read. It speaks our language. It's very conversational. My passion has just always been to make the Bible more readable for people. So my typeface design projects... Two of them, two of the major projects I've done have been about designing typefaces that make it easier to read the Bibles people design. Okay. And so, so 
here at Aspire, we're able to combine that passion I have with just the practical helping sell this Bible into a marketplace where there's a ton of noise, where there's a ton of com- com- competition, where there's other translations that have marketing budgets in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so we're doing the, we're doing the David thing. But in terms of like the career of your business here, that would be more of a deep water project for you, right? It's definitely a deep water project, <laughs> but it's, but it's, you know, it, I give a lot of thought to this challenge to be disciple maker, you know, go make disciples and small business, small market. How can I make the biggest impact? Well, God's given me these gifts right. to design type. Yeah. And now the Lord redeemed you for this, not just to get you to heaven. Right. Okay. Exactly. So just to br- illustrate our point here. To, to bring it back to that point. Yeah. You know, and and he, so he's given me a platform here at Aspire to yeah. be able to help other people meet him. So, and so when you, when you think about the fact that even like with the new living translation, which is also has a custom typeface I designed in it, there's about 10 million new living translation Bibles printed every year. And you developed the typeface for the NLT. Correct. You know, one of the unique things about that style of equi- of translation is that it's functionally longer because it takes 20% more words to say. Dynamic equivalence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, which is thought for thought. Thought for more than word for word. Exactly. So it's the natural equivalence. Okay, now we're getting nerdy now in yeah. the Bible translation world, but if you look at like a continuum on the far left, you would have like what formal equivalence, like word for word. So your like King James. King James, NASB. Right. And then I've always known about dynamic equivalence, thought for thought, and then to the far right, paraphrase, right? Right. Like the message and the living Bible. Okay. So now natural equivalence falls between formal equivalence and before dynamic equivalence, correct? Right? And is it still considered word for word? No, because it's it's the closest natural word in English, okay, or or even phrase. All that, right, that, but it's not thought for thought so much. No, because thought for thought's looking at the whole yeah. sentence and okay. capturing that that way. What do you recommend? Obviously, there's like a a main sort of Bible we need to have in our lives, and then you do you recommend other supplemental translations to round out our Bible study and in meditation and prayer life. Sure. I recommend, and this is the way how I practice some sort of formal equivalent Bible coupled with either a natural equivalent or a dynamic equivalent version. <laughs> right. I love it. Now, you know what? It's not that hard to understand it. Here's what I use. I use the net translation, which is, it's, it's a, it's a formal equivalent transliteration word for word. Is it? Okay. Um, and I found it on uh, Luridian's Bible app. Okay. And I downloaded it and I use it. I, and I, I do a lot of my study on an iPad, so I have three tabs open. First one's the NLT, so I can read it in English that speaks to me. Okay. Uh, and that's just my personal translation. All right. And then more often than not, then I'm clicking over to the net and I read it in the formal equivalent. Mm. And then they have study notes and it's the, it's the, a phenomenal... I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah, it's a phenomenal concordance. Yeah. Like, we were reading something last night, and I'm looking at it, and like, I never thought of that before. Yeah. And I, you could just click a little button, and it brings up the... If you keep them all synchronized... Yeah. It, I, uh, I've recently... You know, I've been an NASB guy, you know, and, and, and of course, I use other supplemental translations, but that's the core one. I've recently become introduced to the N-A-B-R-E. Huh. The... Something like New American Bible Revised Edition or something. It's actually a project that's a combination of Protestant and Catholic scholarship. Mm. And I tell you, Brian, the study notes in that Bible are phenomenal. I, I've been so 
stunned and blessed by the study notes and that that joint project. And I think you know I think we need even alternate forms of study notes because you know the life application format is is amazing. You can buy a Bible that's got just a boatload of study notes in it, yeah. and you can get it in the NIV, the NKJV, NLT because it's a format. The you know the life application format, and then they just plug in the translations. Mm-hmm. But it's got all the, it's got this common set of commentary in it and and notes and yeah. references on all the verses and so it, can, it you know can help you but then you get locked into that one you know set of commentaries so it helps to have different pers- you know it's perspectives it does works kind of get caught up in a certain yeah. school of thought or a school of interpretation sure. i think we need to mix it up a little bit right and, and be you know, you were mentioning before we turned on the mics, you know, uh, Acts 16, the Berean Christians, they're more noble-minded than the mm-hmm. others, it says, because they searched out the scriptures. So we need to be noble-minded and pretty pretty serious about our approach to the Word, right? I like what Jack Hayford says. He says, look, we're born again by the seed of God's Word, but beyond that, there's, there's really no activity of God in our life that is apart from His Word, the agency of His Word, you know? So every further thing that He does in our life... So we have to be really engaged with the word. Interesting. This mm-hmm. is a very kaleidoscope conversation. There's much value here for um, different topics. Wow. But that's a deep water project for you. So deep water, I mean, going out and, and, and getting out of the shallows, raising our belief set point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But I love what you said, you know, about being, so, you know, to bring it back to that idea of, you know, we're redeemed for a purpose. Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, an interesting thing. Ephesians 2.10 is clear on that. It is. We are the workmanship of God, prepared for good works, which God has prepared for us to walk in. Exactly. And if yeah. you back up in that, and I've noticed it, my, I noticed it in the New Living, there's this alliteration of P's, like God called you for a plan, a purpose, for his good pleasure. Ooh. And there's there's like six P's in there, and I, you know, I've got yeah. them circled, and yeah. then there's a line be- between each. That's an elegant translation then of that, and it yeah. helps, you to, helps you to, you know, it speaks to you, yeah. But look, the at, alliteration. look at all the other areas in our lives when we're redeemed, Based on our experiences and our, our uh, other things that are happening in our life, where we are, you know, able to speak into other people's lives, where if we're accomplished as a musician, and then we're able to bring glory to God through music, or if you're a gifted teacher, and then God's word becomes illuminated to you, and you're able to teach that way, or if you're just given, you're given a gift within um, media of some kind, or just to be a, a great business leader, yeah, and God redeems you into that, and. and he doesn't waste what he's created. He, yeah. re- he redeems it and reuses yeah. it for his good so, purposes. So like, Adam, where are you? Or Brian, where are you? Or Allegra, where are you? Whatever your name is. He is wanting to redeem you to your story. He has good works for you. And he does. And, and it fits into his larger narrative. It does. And he wants to make, you know, he created us as humans and then there was a fall. He wants to restore us to become the best humans we can be. Yeah. Do you agree with... Um, sort of the renowned New Testament theologian, uh, N.T. Wright, that, that you know, John Eldridge says in his book, All Things New, that we've conceived this idea of heaven as some kind of a uh, eternal state, a hybrid of a nursing home and an eternal church service, you know? <laughs> Isn't that good? good. All Things New is, is will we'll rock your world. But N.T. Wright is in the same vein of things. In a new heavens, in a new earth, we will be creatively engaged Absolutely. We will be involved in the enterprise of Jesus, not just like on a cloud with a harp or some kind of a, you know, crazy thing. Um, yeah. Engaged. What do you think about that? Engaged. That our lifetime now is a seed. Dallas Willard says our lifetime now is a seed in a real sense of what, who we always will be, what we always will be doing. 
are there giftings that will carry through? Is there some like tendencies and strengths that somehow carry through into the new heavens and the new earth? That's a great question. So if we think about the fact that right now, God says, we're called together, Jews and Gentiles, to be one body in Christ. With Christ as the head and we're the body, mm-hmm. and there are feet, there are hands, right. all these different parts. Yeah. So if we think about ourselves that way, even you know, two Brian sitting here, same name, but your giftings are different than mine. So the synergy is in the in the interface uh, of even like in the body. It's in the intersection of how you and I are yeah. creating something new here and yeah. what we could do together. Because we've had other t- conversations about, hey, have you thought about this? What if we did this? Right. But also, isn't that isn't doesn't that sober you to think? All right, if if my gifting now, if what I'm developing, who I am now, is going to carry over yeah. into heaven. Oh, it's a game changer. Then why am I wasting so much time? playing Fortnite or yeah. watching television instead I mean, of instead of using the broad spectrum of every opportunity God has given us that aligns with our passion our interest in his calling yeah to create a point then where the impact grows mm-hmm. so and I like I mean, it's hard to draw on the draw on the you know on a podcast but we think about you know too too often we think of calling to Christ up here yeah and then what we're called to do here, lower. instead of saying, you know, those two intersect at some point. So if our calling to Christ, which is our identity, aligns at some point with our passion mm-hmm. and what we love to do and how, we've, how God's wired us and mm-hmm. made us, yeah. you know, that ends up looking like, th- like a V that expands into eternity. Mm. So you're saying it's an it's a engagement with Christ. You have here and now. You as Brian Soy have a personal engagement with Christ here and now. It's really the headship of Christ coming. It's some facet of Christ coming through you. It is. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Yeah. You know, we have the mind of Christ. We have and so there's something of Christ in you, his creative capacity, his work capacity, right? His work ethic. He's a builder. Right? He's a craftsman, he's an artisan. Proverbs 8 says he's a master artisan, the wisdom of God, mm-hmm. right? Something of that is in you, and it intersects now, and we're to grow and develop in that now. We are. But it extends into the new heavens and the new earth is what we're suggesting. Sure. I mean, we, there's there's nothing definite in Scripture that says that, but yeah. logically, yeah. You know, why would God waste the 40, 60, 80, 100 years that he gives us on this earth? Yeah turning us into who we are, I think there we'll have, we'll have the greater awareness of who he truly is. And then we'll look back and go, wow, you're way bigger than I ever thought you were. Yeah. And we'll have a greater awareness of who we are. Right. It, it says we will know then fully as we are fully known now by him, right? In 1 Corinthians 13, but... but and, and we'll see our potential. There's a cluster of readers. If you want a cluster of authors and thinkers that are pushing on these edges, anti uh, right. Mm-hmm. Anglican theologian, great, just kingdom of God stuff. People like John Eldridge in All Things New, Randy Alcorn, his book on heaven. We've had this view, by the way, we think of heaven as vertical, way up there, some quadrant of who knows where, the universe. We have these very vague ideas about it. It's all coming here anyway. It's coming down. The heavenly Jerusalem is coming down to a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. There's going to be an interface between heaven and earth. Right. We're not going to be way up there. The, 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 the heaven as we think of it now, our, our loved ones and those we know in Christ, it's a temporary state of heaven, if you will, as it is now. You study it. 
you be noble-minded, look at passages, read, read on it, but a new take on, it's, it's really not new, it's just new to us, maybe, a new take. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of the quests I'm on right now, Brian. Yeah. In study. Well, think, you know, think about it. It's, it becomes this reconciliation of everything. The reconciliation of all things. Right. So you know, if we think of earth as this fixed, finite, you know, rock in space and heaven's the other thing. Um, and and, it, and we, we think of it as up there, but when, when they intersect and when they become one, they're reconciled. And so we can think of um, who we are now versus who we are destined to become. Mm-hmm. Or who we really, you know, that's the identity part. Who we are now is really who we are to become. But we think of ourselves differently. Ooh, well said. We yeah. don't see ourselves as the, you know, we don't see ourselves as ch- children. We don't really don't see ourselves as children of God. I mean, if you think that the work you do now extends into eternity, I mean, we know we'll be rewarded, but there's some sense if it is a continuum that wouldn't that change our approach to work now? I think it would have changed and our, to creativity and to life. Yeah. My goodness. You know, so going back to helping, you know, to being the one who focuses on our spouses to help them okay. achieve that full potential for who they can be oh, yeah. during our marriage, during this, this time on earth, our children and speaking, speaking hope and speaking the, the aspira- our, our hopes and dreams into their lives, but also this is your potential. This is who you are called to become. And you know, there, there's room for play, but there's also intentionality and in moving forward into who you are, whom you are called to be. Yeah. The joy of work. Yeah. 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 Wow. The joy of fruitfulness. And, uh, and, and if meaning. we, and if we find that joy in work, then there's greater satisfaction, no matter what our jobs are. If we're working for somebody else or we're leading a team. And if you ask, I mean, back to your prayer in Ephesians 1, the, you know, the, the Apostle Paul's prayer, uh, asking for a spirit of wit, this is the NASB, okay, so, and I have this memorized because I pray this nearly daily, Brian, for my family, for me. Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling, right? That we would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What does that mean? I, I'm, I'm being stretched on that. And that we would know the exceeding greatness of his power directed to, you know, toward us who believe. That is such a great blanket default prayer to pray. We don't even know how to pray about things all the time. But if we just pray that over it, right. how can we go wrong? I mean, right. Especially, God, bring your design down, you know? Right. Show me the riches of your inheritance. Oh, my goodness. In the saints. In the sa- Right. The so, inheritance is in the saints. So if I pray, show me the riches of your inheritance in Brian Del Turco. I don't know how to think about it other than Jesus has an inheritance that he's won, mm-hmm. but it's within the body. Is, is that how you would just see it as a first response? It's in the people. Well, we are his inheritance, right? Yeah. And he, and he is our inheritance, which, you know, it goes back to that. I'm in Christ. He is in me. Yeah. Okay. How does that work? So um, in, in one of your posts, Brian, you talk about five questions to discover your purpose in life. Okay. Mm. And uh, let me just read a couple of these and have you maybe give some color commentary for what pursuit or group of people am I most passionate is your first question. Mm. Then you say, am I fully equipped and gifted to pursue that passion? Will my pursuit of that passion change the future for people? Can I measure the impact of pursuing that passion? 
And does your purpose align with God's purpose? That's a biggie right there. Alignment. Mm-hmm. A great a great article. I, I, I guess that's on Entre Worship, right? Uh, any color commentary on just that topic of discovering your purpose and maybe one or two of those questions? Yeah, that's that's good. I just pulled this up. Um, you know, just giving a lot of thought to that because you know, we we so often focus on God. What's your purpose for my life? And it's that it's the micro purpose that we're asking about. Where He has said, "Look, I've given you the macro purpose: love God, love people, glorify Me." Um, but if we ask ourselves, you know, these questions, even the first one, what what people, what group of people am I most passionate about? And you know, for me, it's it's leaders because a lot of I, I even though people are in positions of leadership, they struggle. They struggle with vision to communicate that vision clearly. Okay. And when they don't have that clear vision and how to communicate it clearly, people don't know what to do. They don't know the plan to take that there's yeah. the, or that or the path to follow. Right. And so, if from my experience, and again, how God has redeemed me and called me, if I can if I can help others yeah. achieve that, then yeah. I want to do that. That's how you serve them. Exactly. You help them, yeah. Um, you know, and but then even on the other side, like really personally, I I was I'm clearly convinced I was called to be an artist. But there's so many ways that can express itself. And for me, that really comes down to, um, you know, I love, I love type. I don't know why I love type. I just love type. I, you know, I, I drew type. You love fonts and type and well, I typography. Drew, there's yeah. a whole psychology to typography, isn't there? There is. But I also love draw, yeah, drawing letter forms. I mean, yeah. I, I had a bottle of ink and a nib and a book that showed me at age 12. These are just God-given loves. And so just taking that love and then saying, Lord... Now I've got this love for type and I have a love for your word, but I see my dear friend struggling to read because the, the design of the Bible is so poor. <laughs> How can I fix that? Mm. Since I'm not able to design the Bible, I can design a typeface. Mm. And if, and if, you know, if, if it's an old two style format instead of the single column and there's five words on a line, which right. means your eyes going back and forth all the time. Right. If I make the typeface narrower, so I'm thinking it through. I'm solving the problem. If I make the typeface narrower, we can get seven words on a line or eight. Mm. It's going to make it easier for them to get to know you, Lord. That, I mean, that's... It makes the readability and thus the comprehension easier. It just makes it easier to read. Sure. I mean, it's a book for, you know, yeah. for Pete's sake. It's a book. Yeah. Let's treat it as a book. Right. And not a all the time as a holy relic. Yeah. It's a book. So... Right. And it's the only book that... It's really book design. Right. It needs to have a good book design. Yeah. So that's just, that's my passion and, and yep. Yep. right there. Um, and so I have to study those things. I have to study the science of readability. I have to understand what motivates people to read. And if they're demotivated because the paper's too thin, the type's too light, the type's too small, that's, boy, don't get me going on that. Those are demotivators. So let's fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how can I measure the impact of, of that? Well, you can ask questions, you can listen, you can be observant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've written other, I've written some books. Uh, it's hard to measure the impact until I start to talk to people and they'll say just things that come out of the blue. Like I mentioned you to one of my staff and then she said, oh yes, I've read his book. I'm like they're on the other side of the country. How they've heard of that. Or I get a photo from somebody who says, look, I was on this flight going to Tampa and look what the woman across the aisle had in her lap. And it's a copy of my book. 
portable containers of ideas that are out there. Right. Yeah. So, so it's just thinking, or, but you know, then we measure in other ways in business, you know, what, what, are, what's revenue? What are the sales growth? You know, but we have to think, okay, we've got to put the plans in place to be able to measure those things. Um, yeah. And, and we have to be willing to act on those plans too. Cause you know, good, good action strategy without any steps is just a wish list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I mean, there's some thoughts on there. That's good. And then um, alignment. Yeah, alignment. I mean, so, alignment with this higher design, right? All right. God, where are you working? Can you, inv- can, can you invite me, Lord, to where you're working so I can help you there? Right? Wow. What a prayer. Lord, where are you working? And you've created me with certain strengths. And mm. so take me where you want me to work, right? Take, Let me work in that space. Take me where I'll fit best into your plan. Where I can contribute most and fit plus. Yeah. That's a healthy prayer. And, and, you know, and I find in Proverbs, there's, there, it's, it's... Because he's looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit. You're Much right. fruit, yeah. Much fruit. You know, Proverbs, Proverbs will say, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Yes. So I think there's give and take in there. You know, uh, that's where it's aligning with our passions, what we're really interested in, but yet God's purpose to proclaim his kingdom, yeah. to share, you know, to share the good news, to, cr- to create, you know, to produce fruit, to, to make disciples. Yeah. Those all, those all fit together. But be, again, work is just so much a part of that being in business, you know, and then that's where the real tension, but also the greatest opportunity I think comes in. You know, I think we have it flipped the wrong way. You know, ministry, you know, the church says ministry is the best thing. It's the way where you should be. Jesus went to the fishermen and he kept hanging out in the marketplace. He taught in the temples, but they were out that he was out there with the people all the time. Sure was marketplace of ideas, right? Marketplace of ideas, <clears throat> marketplace. And he was an entrepreneur himself until the age of 30. He was overtly an entrepreneur in terms of his craftsmanship, right? As a carpenter or stonemason. Sure. Yeah. And again, when you, when you visit and see things that he could have probably been involved in the construction, there were, there was a lot of construction going on during his life mm. because of Herod, um, yeah, great builder. Yeah. Herod, I think Herod Antipas okay. building uh, to honor Tiberius. Remarkable. And, you know, and if Christ was so not only I, a woodworker, but a stonemason, which is yeah. most likely because there's so much stone over there. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing to see what they built and the craftsmanship and the fact that you can stand on stones that go back, you know, that far, 2,000 plus I mean, years. we have to say that he is a builder. Absolutely. He is the master craftsman. Right. You know. Boy, Brian, I so appreciate this. This is awesome. What is the best way for people to connect with you, connect with your content? You're a content creator. Talk about your business site as well as your your content creation too. Sure. Yeah. So on um, on Aspire, uh, we're a marketing agency. Um, you know, one you know, it's. I love that we're talking about story. Uh, I'm a story brand certified guide. That's become such a part of how I work and how I think now. That's Don Miller, right? Donald Miller's uh, yeah. book, Building a Story Brand. Um, but, you know, again, it, Aspire is spelled A-E-S-P-I-R-E.com. And um, there's a contact form there that if you want to get in touch with me. But I'm also, again, on the social medias um, at, at Brian Soy, B-R-I-A-N-S-O-O-Y, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and so that's where I share the content out. And of course, if you're interested in this intersection of work and faith and work is worship, there's entre worship. Um, there's a method to this madness of, of 
these different platforms uh, because it's part of uh, just different ideas in different places, but I, I am trying to bring these together. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's this, this constant theme of purpose and um, communications in all of these platforms. So again, um, aspire.com or entreworship.com. Absolutely. And, and some of your stuff is on medium.com, right? It if, is. If, if they went to medium.com and looked up Brian, Brian Soy, Soy, S-O-O-Y, it would pull up your articles. Yep. Yeah. It's tremendous. Yeah. And that's a mix of some of the entre worship work and some of the uh, Aspire uh, writing that I do. And real quick, what are your book titles again? So there's, my first book is called Raise Your Voice, A Cause Manifesto. And that's a book on creating a culture of generosity for mission-driven organizations. So wow. non- nonprofits or or businesses that want to have a stronger cause marketing focus. Okay. Um, and then Converge is a combination of uh, a couple of books on the, in the Entre Worship series. It's just where you can get some of the conversations I've had with other mm. Christian business leaders okay. who are pursuing work as worship and business yeah. as mission. Um, and then just some of my own reflections that are found in Entre Worship. It's a compilation. Okay. Yeah, and those are on Amazon. So again, if you go to Amazon and search for Brian Soy, you'll find my library. And do you have a podcast? Oh yeah. And the podcast, the occasional podcast okay. not, is called everybody brands. That's how occasional I, is it <laughs> uh, right now about once every three months. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, but I am, I, I've got another, I've got another episode. I'm going to, you're going to be dialing up the frequency a little bit. Right. I'm trying to do once a month, but again, it's, that's great time and capacity, but I'm going to do one with a, a gentleman named Mark Bertrand on Bible design. And awesome. we've recorded it in 2015, so it's well-aged. Okay. And uh, I'll clean that up and be posting it probably in the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm going to have to subscribe. And, and I, I didn't know you had a podcast until yeah. today. It's and, awesome. And yours is the Jesus Smart podcast. Yeah, Jesus Smart. That's what you're listening to right now. And, and, and Jesus Smart is the fact, I mean, it's like uh, Dallas Willard says that Jesus was the most brilliant person to ever live. Yeah. He knows how life works. I'm hopeless and desperate without him, right? That's Jesus Smart speaking to like relevant issues, trying to speak to relevant issues that, that Jesus knows how life works best. Appreciate you, Brian. And uh, hey, man, we look forward to uh, more conversations on and offline. And Sure. Yeah. Thank you. And absolutely. Maybe next time we can just keep it more focused. You're real. You're, 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 <laughs> it, yeah, it's 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 me. I all kinds of trails open up in conversation. And um, but yeah, this is a very kaleidoscope conversation. And maybe we could have some more niched, um, targeted conversations in the future, okay? All right. Maybe we'll pull in somebody like uh, a Mr. Jason Howard or something. Oh, yeah. Have a real roundtable, too. Wow. We'll see how that works. I can see that happening. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Brian. If you would like to learn more about Brian Soy, S-O-O-Y, you can check out the website for his company, Aspire. It's spelled A-E-S-P-I-R-E. A-E-S-P-I-R-E dot com. Also his website, Entre Worship, E-N-T-R-E, worship dot com, where you can get great content there about blending our work lives, our career work with this concept of worship, that everything we do is worship, including our career, our business, our work. Plus, see the show notes page at jesussmart.com for other links, Donald Miller's site, story brand and other things that we touch on and talk about to dive a little bit deeper as well as you'll have links to these websites for brian soy brian i appreciate your life i appreciate your work and i look forward to future conversations both online and off 
and I love the state of connecting with key kingdom people and achieving a kingdom synergy. The ideas that come out of that, how that fuels our prayer, it fuels our kingdom activity, the action, the kingdom contribution that we bring to the table. To learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com and there's a dedicated show notes page there for this episode. Yeah.